0: Hello and welcome to the Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors.
1: When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon.
0: Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast, Marcus with Chip Nellinger. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Ormorton, Illinois. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Chip, how are you doing today, bud?
3: Doing good, Casey. It, uh, it's going to warm up this weekend, but boy, it's, uh, we've got a little dose of fall this week. So it's mm-hmm. uh, beautiful weather, um, Labor Day weekend's here. Yep. Markets are uh, uncertain, waiting on what uh, what this crop size is, is going to be. We do every year, but it seems
0: like this year there's more... Uh, Certainly, <laughs> much size than than most years. Yep, yeah. The other most important thing about this weekend—it's September first. So most places, it's opening day of death season. So. Oh, I thought you were going to say college football <clears> starts too. Hunting season. Well, that's that's two. That's that's yeah, the second most go. important thing, right? But it's it's my favorite time of the year right now. So I agree with you. I good agree times. With you. All right, let's talk a little bit about this report that's coming out. So the Pro Farmer Tour came out. Every reason for the market to be to be very bearish with the information that came out of the Pro Farmer Report, right? It was um variable where where they expected it to be. It was good where they expected it to be. And it was bad where they expected it to be bad, right? Um but with all the Russia-Ukraine overshadowing of what was going on there, it, it actually pushed the market lower um not only last week but this week too. So I guess as this, the September report comes out in about 12 days, and as you're looking at that, Chip, like you talked about, there should be some fireworks that happen in September, uh, on September 12th. Now, whether that's up or down, whether that looks like, but you would think that there would be some very big upside potential here with this report. Yeah. So I guess what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I would agree with you. I'm gonna correct you. You said you said bearish on Pro Farmer, but I, I'm I think sorry, you meant bullish. bullish. I meant bullish. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah, they they came down from yeah. uh, where the the USDA was. Uh, they're at uh, 172 uh, versus USDA at 175.1. They were sub 50 on beans. I thought that was maybe the most bullish thing about Pro Farmer. Um, you know, with uh, with uh, USDA being uh, just under 51. Um, but, you know, I would say a couple things with that. We rallied pretty sharply into the pro-farmer report on the bean market. And so we were on, uh, or we were on prior to this week, almost a dollar and a half rally straight up. So we, we added a little bit of uncertainty and weather premium to the bean market. Um, pro-farmer gave us a bullish number. We, we didn't rally on it. But I think a couple things are at play there. Number one, we had the end of the month yesterday. And the funds, I think, we're taking some profits uh, sure. yeah. uh, on the last trading day of the month and right ahead of a long holiday weekend. So this is what our fourth one, I think, of the summer where this weather is just uncertain. Yep. You're setting up for some big volatility Monday night or Tuesday morning. And then, as you mentioned, uh, about a week and a half from now, we've got the September crop report. So, um, you know, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's highly variable crop. Um, you know, the one thing that, that um i think is of note here is pro farmer in their projections they always put a a you know carrot there and they say this is assuming a normal end of the growing season and i'm going to argue with you that uh we're not really having a normal end of the growing no. season we're not. you know we're going to heat up um again they're, they're, they're going to be north of 100 this weekend unfortunately in the dry area where they need rain to finish this crop they're not getting it they're getting heat instead uh, it's pretty dry over here too. We've cooled down. You know, we had some record heat here uh, a week ago. It's going to get warm this weekend, the mid 90s. But the the key here is it, we're we're ending on a dry note, and producers are now starting to say, "Hey, my my corn isn't drying down; it's dying." Uh, mm-hmm. That's not what is conducive to um, holding together. You know, the second or third biggest crop we've ever raised across the the corn belt across the country, and. And beans here, uh, many areas of beans, just not getting enough rain uh, over the last 30 days. You know, pods aren't filling, potentially pods are boarding. Uh, This heat won't do, uh, you know, northern uh, Iowa, southern Minnesota any favors. And and so that kind of creates all these questions about the September crop report. It is the first report of the year that we get actual field surveys from the USDA. So, you know, they should be starting that actually uh, as we speak here, the last couple of days of August, the first three or four days, five days of September is when they do those surveys. And so if there has been any uh, of those issues with yields coming down, shallow kernel boards about uh, boarding, stuff like that, they should be able to pick that up uh, in their field surveys. And so to your point, you know, this September crop report really is going to set the stage for some potential fireworks Number one, I think we're going to see some potential fireworks Monday night and Tuesday uh, uh, coming out of the long weekend, depending on what the forecast says. If yeah. it stays hot and dry uh, out through, um, you know, the second, third week of September, we're out of time at that point. Yeah. You know, it's just it's too little too late uh, at that point. Uh, and so we have some fireworks even coming out of Labor Day weekend. And then, you know, then the market will be positioning for the September crop report. And, and who knows? You know, there's arguably there's there's areas have received better rains and, and they're maybe just about as good as a year ago, but then there's areas that are uh, kind of falling on their face here uh, over the last 30 days with dry weather. So we're setting up for, um, you know, some potential volatility going right into harvest. Harvest is slowly starting, you know, to the south, southern Illinois, southern Indiana, Kentucky, kind of slowly getting a start in here. And so I think over the next uh, week to 10 days, you're going to also start having some, some more harvest data out of that southern portion of the Corn Belt.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> this last uh this week I went to uh for to a meeting up in Ames, Iowa. And as I was driving through there, you know, I was taking a look at the at the fields and they weren't as uniform as they have been in the past. You know, there was a lot of tall sections short sections. I mean, it was just kind of everything. But to your point, we we're talking about farmers that were saying, "Hey, my corn's not drying down. It's dying." There were several fields that I went through driving down I-80 that you could look out in the field and you could see patches of the field that were it looked like october corn not early early september corn i mean it was it was dried all the way down it was you know what you would expect to put on your porch uh, during halloween that's what it looked like so yeah. it was uh, some of that stuff was in bad shape and it really you could really see what they were talking about when you looked through the variability of the field where there wasn't a levelness that you would typically see you know and so and, you know western illinois or western iowa was one of those areas too where they they found some of that you know eastern nebraska is where they found some of that high highly variable um you know crop production kind of rate where they're at you know as far as i go so it's out there and it's going to be interesting to see what the usda comes back with as that as that as that data starts coming back through
3: Very yeah fair. for sure for sure and and uh like I said, there's always uncertainty with yields every year. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think with all the variable weather, we've had everything this year, you know, wind, hail, yeah. uh, drought in June, uh, normal weather in July, yeah. drought again in August. Mm-hmm. And I think the key to what you're you're saying there is um, in some of these areas that, that finally got a little bit of rain in, in July and the first week or 10 days of August, you know, they came into it with no subsoil moisture, you know, yeah. especially in the Western Corn Belt it came out of a drought last year. They weren't really healed up from that drought. Uh, they finally started getting some rain and then the rain shut off again, but it, it we hadn't had enough, um, you know, moisture to kind of recharge the subsoil. So, you know, then the rain shut off again and, you know, it kind of stressed those crops again. And when you, I'm not an agronomist uh, by any stretch, right? I, I could be as wrong as the next guy, but I've been doing this a long time and when people say things like "Oh man, this corn's green," I'm never—I don't know when I'm going to harvest. It's going to be, you know, Thanksgiving before I finish harvest. Um, that's kind of the finish you want to solidify mm-hmm. big yields. Now people are saying, "Oh man, I'm going to start ten days ahead of when I thought." That's never good. That's always, always, always at the expense of yield. yield uh, yeah. In my opinion, and yeah. so that seems to be what we're rushing into here in in fact i i talked to one guy he was gonna go to the um far progress show earlier this week and he's like man i was gonna go but it, i walked a few fields and i'm not even ready i thought i was gonna have a couple weeks but i'm gonna have to go to harvest sooner than i thought so
0: yeah
3: you know unfortunately and he's one with one of the better areas here in part of uh, northern illinois that receives some better rains and, and then it just shot off again so uh um, yeah. it's gonna be a real wild card and um you know, I think the one thing from that pro farmer is corn, if you notice very quietly, stopped going down. Wheat mm-hmm. made a new low, uh, just battered every day this week, almost um, new contract lows in wheat. We had a sell off in beans. Corn's holding its own in there. So I, I think that potentially the markets may be starting to hear some of these very early yields. And I've heard a couple myself. They've been a little bit disappointing to lot disappointing. Um, to to get a real trend from that though, I, I I would caution, but, uh, maybe the market in the case of corn is finally saying, maybe we got a little too ahead of ourselves here. thinking we've got a 175, 176 crop Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh Oh, maybe there's a chance we're going to end up closer to 170. If we're under 170, not even necessarily on this September crop report, we end up under 170. We're going to get a nice, a nice rally attempt, um, out of this and might, come, you know, through the middle to tail end uh, of, of harvest. Um, beans are part of this too. And there's just no margin for error on beans. We've talked about this, you know, the domestic demand, we've got basically record crush margins. You're starting to see soy oil heat up again. We're just selling uh, soy meal, uh, massive demand in soy meal because of the drought in Argentina and the effects of that. And, and so there's, we can't afford to lose one bushel uh, on wheat or i should say on beans and otherwise it just gets critically tied on the balance sheet and so if that's going to be the case beans haven't seen their highs yet if beans haven't seen their highs yet it's going to drag corn along kicking and screaming uh if if uh, it has to so there's some things to be positive about but with that being said it's the usda and so mm-hmm. you know if they come out unchanged or they go up a bushel and in corn, up a half a bushel in beans, that's really going to pull the rug out from under uh, the market bulls. And the funds have a pretty long position built up uh, in beans. Not, you know, restrictively long, but they're getting a plus thousand contracts long. And so if we can't feed some bullish news, uh, that may set the stage for a deeper break into harvest. So it's really critical this September crop report really could set the stage for, um, you know, what
0: price action does, all the way through harvest and beyond. Yeah. So that's my next topic. I want to talk to you about. Let's talk a little bit about energy. Where you see happening there, um, you know, oil has done done some pretty remarkable things this week. You got up over that eighty two dollar mark, and you're up into the uh, you know above eighty five. I think it was would you say is about eighty six dollars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, just
3: under eighty six. <clears throat>
0: yeah. Up sharply here. It looks like uh, we're going to go out basically
3: on the highs of the week. Um, eighty five, eighty six okay. is the last trade on. Uh, October crude oil. And uh, as uh, you know, one of the things driving this is um, we talked about this. I don't want to be too cynical. Uh, We're trying to refill the strategic reserve. That was the greatest trade of all time gone wrong. Yeah, the worst trade of all time. And so, uh, you know, at a time when we've kind of tightened up uh, supplies, at a time that there's still a little bit of geopolitical uncertainty with Iran, Saudi Arabia. Mm now we're just going to leak out that we're going to start slowly rebuilding the the uh, strategic reserve. Now that we're back over eighty, when we had a you know chance to do it in the sixties, mm-hmm. and um, three times the market. By the way, yeah. the market. What's say Oh yeah, three times. <laughs> three times. Yeah. And um, I mean that's a great way to put support in the crude oil market, knowing that yeah. the U.S. government has their finger on the buy button, yep. and so path of least resistance is for higher. So. Yep. Surprise! Surprise! Here's mm-hmm. where we're at. Knocking on the door, eighty-six dollars and strong week. Uh, looks like uh, on a textbook uh, bull flag breakout to the upside on a weekly chart. Next logical targets are uh, in the low nineties. So yep. uh, that's about the summary of uh, of crude oil, right? It punishes yep. the most uh, people and takes the most money, and it's going to take the most money from you and I as U.S. taxpayers. Because of uh, their great trading ability, yeah, yeah,
0: that's a whole whole other podcast. Sometimes, but they have, as you look at where the price is now, it's really going to be starting to be more supportive for ethanol. And we start looking at crush rates and what you talked about. If we yep. go into this, you know, there's a ah, one of them I can't remember who it was did do some uh, lowered from one seventy five, I think one seventy three and some change or something like that on the uh, on the corn. Um, uh, bushels, um, average bushels an acre. But if you look like you talked about in all the reports coming out about aborted um, uh, soybean um, uh, pods and those kind of things, as you're looking at that, you start throwing all of this uh, biofuel back into the mix, that gets tied pretty quick, just like you talked about. So I guess as you're looking at where the price of diesel and gasoline is right now and oil is right now, how do you see that ethanol and biodiesel coming into play there, and what's that look like in your opinion?
3: Yeah, it's screaming higher in the case of, um, you know, uh, the the energy products, um, you know, diesel and and, uh, unleaded. Uh, It's playing right into uh, profitability. We already had massive crush margins domestically in the United States. Uh, I mean, like $2 plus a bushel. I think the last time I checked, they were closer to $2.5 a bushel, positive margins. And so just take that into consideration that Soybean crushers here domestically, we brought, we've brought on several plants of renewable uh, diesel over the last six months, say. But beyond that, there's a large crush capacity already in the United States. And it's just a margin business, right? Um, meal and oil are so high relative to beans uh, that crush margins are so positive. It doesn't matter if beans are $15, $16, $18, $22 a bushel in the case of crushers. If it's profitable— they will buy beans, and they will sell meal and oil, and they will lock a profit in doing so no matter what the price. That's a pretty good uh, demand driver. And this rally in the energy products is only breathing some uh, you know, extra bullishness into the domestic crush rates. Our ethanol grind has backed off a little bit. There's been some people saying, oh, that's this demand, and we're not going to have any demand, and we're not exporting anything. It's normal this time of year right ahead of harvest that, Plants take some down downtime, they do some maintenance, they get ready for the new harvest. Uh, so that's going to come roaring back, in my opinion. And, you know, that's a good demand driver, especially in beans. Uh, I mean, this thing, I, I don't, um, there's still people out there saying, oh, bean demand is too high, bean demand is too high. Maybe it is. Maybe the exports are going to come down a little bit, but maybe it's going to be more than offset by domestic crush. Because it's so profitable right now. And all of a sudden, net net demand, maybe it goes up in beans. So that would shock some people. I know uh, the one real bright spot we've got going right now is domestic bean demand. Um, You know, soy oil, we're selling it. Or I should say soy meal. Sales have been stellar because we're picking up the slack of what uh, Argentina is not exporting. Uh, Soy oil, recent nice rally here this week because of the rally in crude oil prices. That's just adding additional, um, you know, potential premium to the to the biodiesel market. So that's a real bright spot as I see it, especially if the USDA comes out on September 12th and cuts bean meals. Um, it could be an explosive, uh, bullish, um, you know, piece of information that uh, that really goes a long way towards giving us uh, a big rally here. And uh, I don't want to get too bulled up. I know we're just uh, trading $14. That's relatively high price. but uh, a, our exports should only start increasing now as we get into harvest and beyond. B, right. crush margins are a record, and they're not going away anytime soon. The crushers are going to keep buying beans as fast as they can get them to lock those margins in. So it's a good combination to
0: have. Sure. Right on. All right, last topic here. Let's take a look over at the protein markets when you're looking at, at cattle and hogs. What do you see happening there? And, uh, again, there's a lot of topsy turviness going on there as well
3: yeah there there's been real choppy markets uh, in in cattle um, you know I think they tried to break this market um, earlier in the week uh, basically you know kind of Labor day type um, selling sure. into the month a little bit of fun profit taking uh, but they couldn't get the job done and it, it rallied instead so um you know I think the cattle market's on some pretty good footing in here they've tried to break it we are off the highs some but um, I think cattle still look really good to me going into a uh, winter hogs have had some really choppy trade here and you know i think part of the issue with hogs is the deferreds the october and the December uh, have gotten too far um, ahead of themselves too far of a discount to where cash has been and the cash has come down but we had such a huge premium in the deferreds that uh, they they're kind of stressed the rubber band too far so uh, they may have actually uh, seen the lows in the October contract just simply because they got too far ahead of themselves and too discounted compared to where the cash is, even though it's,
0: it's broke here over the last two or three weeks. Yep. Okay, man. Well, Chip, good place to stop. Folks want to reach out to you, get more information about what's happening over at Blue Reef AgriMarketing. What's the best way to do that?
3: Yeah, best way is just give us a call at our office, 309-550-7213. Love the chat with you. A lot going on here with these markets. Uh, definitely not a time as it gets busy with harvest to uh, put the the markets uh, on the back burner here because there's a lot of opportunity maybe uh, close at hand here.
0: Okay. Chip, appreciate you being on, man. Look forward to next week. Thanks. Have a a happy Labor Day and uh, get some R&R. Go hunting. Watch some football. I will do all of those things. So I look forward to you two the same, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Chip. Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and go over to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast. YouTube will go go to everything Moving Iron related at MovingIronLLC.com and you can get all the information about anything you want there at MovingIronLLC.com. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's move some iron folks out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable salesforce based solution for your dealership create connected customer experience and transform how you work.
2: In 21st